Each year as we approach Decision Day, I'd like to remind you of the the story of Henry Ford, who years ago was confronted by a a friend who sold insurance, and the friend was upset to learn that Henry Ford had taken out a a sizable policy with another agent. And so the the friend asked Ford, hey, I'm your friend. Why did you buy your insurance policy from him and, and not from me? And Ford answered simply, you never asked me. And there's some questions that are just too important not to ask. Some questions aren't monumental, paper or plastic, decaffeinated or or regular. Those are important but not essential. But the the question of, of asking someone to invest his or her life in a relationship with Jesus, that's a question that's too big to to leave unasked. And so we would never want it to be said that we had not invited you to invest your life into active kingdom service. So for more than 30 years, I've offered decision day in order to provide opportunity to commit your life to Christ, to, to be immersed if you've never done that in obedience to the Lord. And if you're already an immersed believer, it's a chance for you to move off the sidelines and, and commit to greater involvement and greater ministry and service in the body of the church. We realize that every person in the room is at a different place in this journey of, of forging this personal relationship with Jesus. And we understand that people make decisions at varying rates of, of, of time. And so decision day is not intended to, to pressure anyone It is intended to provide an opportunity for you to go farther in your journey, uh, to create some dialogue, to get a conversation going, to get questions answered. And so my prayer is if you are ready, you will make a decision for Christ and his church. If you reach in the bulletin, there's a a blue insert. If you want to put your hands on that for just a moment, and it's a place where you can fill out your response my name is, and then if you print legibly your, your name, and then you can bring this forward at the invitation song, and it says, I'm coming forward today on decision day to make the following decision for Christ and his church. And you can check whichever box applies. The, the top box says, I'm ready this morning to confess my faith in Christ and, and be immersed in obedience to him. And then below that, says, I've already confessed my faith, been immersed, and I'm coming today to place my membership with Batesville Christian Church. And if your membership was somewhere else previously, you can, you can fill that in. So if you are responding today, just bring that up, hand that to me in the center of the aisle when you come forward, and uh, that will, will help us as we approach our, our, our invitation time. So every member of the church body has a a purpose to serve. And we're going to study today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which just talks about this metaphor of the human body and how it's descriptive of the the church body, the body of Christ. The first thing is is deciding on the body. Let's, Let's begin in verse 12 there in our text. It says, the body is a unit. And though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. The body of Christ, the church, is composed of many parts. My professors in Bible college, Sherwood Smith, said, I know that there is one who has been aware of every beat of my heart since birth. He goes on, when one considers that his heart beats 100,000 times per day, as it pumps blood throughout 70,000 miles of blood vessels, that's a lot of beats for someone who has lived for decades. The church is one body, and it's composed of all these intricate body parts that that have to function together for the church to to reach her her maximum potential. We see that in our human bodies. So if after church today, you decide to go through the drive-through at at Burger King and and get a sandwich, your, your whole body is going to get involved in that. So you're, you're eating this burger. It involves many bodily functions occurring simultaneously. Your eyes look at the board and place the, your order, and, and then your, your hands reach for the sandwich. Your, your salivary glands begin secreting saliva to, to break down the enzymes in the food. You have your jaws provide a chewing action. Your throat enables swallowing your stomach begins to, to break down and, and utilize the food byproducts so it, it can undergo the, the process of digestion. The many parts fulfill different roles, and yet they work interdependently. So what's the most important part of your house? Is it the door? Is it the furnace? On a hot day, is it the air conditioner? Once when our kids were young, we got home at 10 p.m. and discovered that the house key might be the most important part of the the house when we were locked out. It's definitely not a a good time to to reach out for a a locksmith. Well, God's designed all these different parts of the body, and, and one's not more important than another. Some are more visible than others, but... Um, that house key may be more important than your HVAC if, if you can't get in, inside the house. And so in Christ's church universal, there's this example, this collaboration, this cooperation, this collective effort in serving him. And sometimes there's that rare moment when everything clicks and it all comes together and the, the resulting synergy is, is very special. Paul Harvey and his wife were visiting a church in which the the minister was talking about the importance of giving touch to communicate love. And to illustrate his point, the the minister said, it's a proven fact that a a newborn baby gains weight 50% faster if the baby is is held, touched, and, and coddled. Paul Harvey said his wife leaned over to him and said, don't you dare touch me. Well, the church should be a place where we gain spiritual pounds because we're not ashamed to show love. The church is the best alternative to a fallen world. 
Years ago, there was an old sermon about Noah's Ark, and it was entitled, The Stench or the Storm. And the idea was that floating around on that boat for a year, it probably got a little bit rank in there with all the animals. You know, there, there was a stench that was evident. However, the alternative, being outside in the storm, bobbing on the water and, and trying to tread, didn't sound like a real good alternative. And, and so I think that's a, a great analogy of, of the church. The church has problems, but it's still a lot better than the storm outside. Sometimes Christian people don't always act like Christian people. And the church, although imperfect, is still the best alternative. The church, even with her imperfections, it is still the best thing going. When functioning as intended, the church is a thing of beauty. When sin is confronted, confession is made, grace is extended, that's a thing of beauty. When loneliness is being felt, shared, support moves in to surround, and genuine love is demonstrated, that's a thing of beauty. When lives are lost, misdirected by the majority of the voices in our culture, and they find a new direction for living, they discover a new purpose in life. It's embraced, it's enjoyed. That's a thing of beauty. And sometimes those of us who've been in the church for a while can, can get jaded and, and, and forget that truth. And the truth is we all need each other. And just as in the human body, it's true in Christ's church that the members of the body can't exist in a healthy form independently of the body. And you can't reason, hey, I'm just going to be a finger on my own without anybody's help. There's a value in our differences. We need different types of people. Toes, heels, kneecaps, elbows, necks. They all fulfill different purposes. There's a a diversity that's valuable. In order to have concern for all members of the body and and care about everybody, not just the ones that have similar functions to us or, or, or our roles. Paul issues a a rhetorical question here. He says, what if everybody in the body were an eye? What about that? How how well would that work? He goes on to say, if that were the case, where would the hearing be? He, He wonders aloud. And there's this unique interdependence that God has designed into this special body called the church. And, uh, just making sure you're, you're with me, everybody listening. <laughs> Those of you who are uh, worshiping at home, you're safe, you're fine. You're in no danger. So we need each other. Every person is important. Everyone is, is needed and special. That, and that should manifest itself in this mutual support and encouragement that extends throughout the entire church family. Each ministry should care about the, the efforts and accomplishments of, of, of other ministries in the church. And we, we can't be provincial, focusing only what's good for our area or for our volunteering. All the, the ministries work together, not in competition, but in cooperation to love God, love people, 
impact the world. And so church membership means different things at, at, at different places. It, and, and here, our, our vision at, at BCC is we want to be a first century church in the 21st century. And that means we want you to be actively involved in the life of the church. Church wasn't something that the early Christians did for an hour a week. It wasn't a box that they checked on their, their weekly to-do list. It, it permeated their every waking moment. Church wove its way into their conversations, into their actions 24-7. And we want to recreate that type of first century community that the Jerusalem church experienced, that original church, uh, as we carry out that mission. So every member of the church body has a role and a purpose to, to serve. And so decision day or, or D-day is about deciding to be a part of the body. And the analogy here of the many parts, the many members of the human body forming one body describe what it's like to be a part of Christ's body, the church. And the original recipients of, of this letter uh, that, that the Apostle Paul wrote, these people lived in the city of Corinth. This was this cosmopolitan port city of great commerce. It contained this cross-section of society, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free men and women. And from this patchwork of backgrounds, God was piecing together a patchwork quilt of real beauty. The common denominator in these people who had really very little in common was that they had made a decision to unite with Christ and his teachings. And so the deciding of the body was making this commitment to membership in this newfound religion. So how did they decide on the body and enter into it? Verse 13, Paul explains... For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free. So 2,000 years ago, when people decided to unite with the body of Christ, that was how they did it, and, and that's still how we do it today. The next verse goes on to add, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And that corresponds with what the people were told by the Apostle Peter on the day when the church began, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how one decides to unite with the body of Christ and become a member of his church. And if you're thinking, well... You know, I've got some things in my life that I need to work on. And when I get that all figured out and I get my life together, then I'm going to become a Christian. And that's when I'll get involved in the church. And that's really the backwards approach. We can't do that on our own. We can't get to that point with self-sufficiency or we wouldn't need Christ. So perfection is not a prerequisite for membership. The church was not designed to be a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. It's not a collection of perfect people here with perfect lives. Our church is a place where people can find deliverance, where their past mistakes can be overcome and there can be hope for the future. 
At BCC, we consistently tackle the tough issues. We stand on the word of God's truth. And at the same time, we extend the grace of, of God, who is the God of the second chance. So in a healthy human body, it experiences growth. Uh, it, it develops. It, it changes. It matures. It, it progresses in, in size and in intellect and in abilities. As we watch an, an infant transform into a child, into a teen, and then become an adult. A living church is no different. And a church should duplicate that, that same growth trajectory and, and attendance and, and holiness and, and giving and serving others and in a spirit of, of unity. The first church began with this explosive start, 3,000 individuals the first day obeyed Christ and were immersed and were added to the church. I doubt if any of them knew all 3,000 by name. And when a church is a growth place, you won't know most people by name. It says in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we must always be willing to enlarge the circle. We must never forget that the church is the only organization in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. The purpose of the church is not to maintain the comfort of the members and keep those of us who are already Christians satisfied. The purpose of the church is to reach out to those beyond these four walls and take the life-changing message of Christ to them so they can turn around and, and then in turn, take it to others. That, that's the external focus. And, and such outreach requires a, a, a collective team effort. I want you to consider this statement. You can't be a Christian on your own. The Christian life was intended to be lived in community with other believers. We are all co-strugglers offering support and encouragement along the journey, and we need each other. And this passage of Scripture shouts of, of our interdependence. You and your gifts provide some contribution that, that otherwise would be absent if you weren't here. It would be missing. It would be unavailable without you and without your presence. There's nothing more rewarding than, than serving closely with others in a significant kingdom cause. So, we want you to find a job, find a, a task, find a, a ministry, volunteer in some way to, to give back in service to the Lord and his church and to help the body grow. St. John of the Cross wrote, The virtuous soul that is alone is like the burning coal that is alone. It will grow colder rather than hotter. On our own, we're going to cool down and, and the fire's going to go out. We need each other to, to keep us inspired and burning brightly for the Lord. So I want to encourage you, if you're already an immersed believer, to place your membership here with us. Isn't that just a formality? No, it's not. It's, it's a, a formal commitment to this body. But it's more than that. It's a stepping across the line. It's in terms of personal involvement, where people become more engaged in their giving of, 
of time and, and money, of their, their learning, their study, their, their serving, their accountability. To be healthy in, in our faith, we need to be actively growing in, in a part of a church like that. The Christian life has, has been compared to riding a bicycle. Either you're going forward or you're falling over. There's no middle ground. So to, to keep us going forward in our spiritual growth, we, we need that regular study of God's Word. We need that accountability with other Christians. In addition to our personal devotions or Bible reading, we can gain much from our, our group study. I, I love the life groups that I'm a part of, and one of the great factors is just the discussion that, that always bubbles up from, from every topic. And everyone shares their perspective and their experiences, and and we all leave with a little more wealth of wisdom because that's been something that's been shared and, and imparted. And so at the church, we have opportunities for you to get involved in life groups, Bible studies, Sunday school classes, lady studies, men's studies, adult electives, retreats. The, the, the list goes on. There's a format and a location that will fit everyone's schedule. Some people are, are like spiritual sponges. They, they just sponge up every learning opportunity in a ceaseless search for more knowledge. But for a sponge to really fulfill its intended purpose, it has to dispense what has been absorbed, and, and so should the Christian. So we need to learn and soak up and sponge up, but we need to wring out and find uh, an outlet for, for serving and and reaching out to other people. And so that's a part of this transformation. And well, let me suggest a, a weekly diet of, of three hours. One hour of worship, that's foundational, that's inspirational, that's the starting place for every Christian to first be in worship. That's our, our first expectation for you. Hebrews 10, 25 don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. So that's, that's that first hour. The, the second hour is uh, an hour of, of study, being in a, a Sunday school class, a, a life group. Uh, one of our groups will give a chance for dialogue and questions can be asked and, and you can build those relationships and it becomes a shepherding arm of the church. And then that, that third hour is an hour of service. We, we love for each member to find a way of, of volunteering and giving back, whether that's uh, you know, working in uh, a youth class, a nursery, uh, s serving communion, handing out bulletins, whether that's uh, helping with some paint or repair around the building, whatever that might be, look for a way to, to give. And so that really creates a three-dimensional experience, an hour of worship, an hour of study, an hour of, of serving each week is what we would, would love to see in our, our family. Well, there's this diversity in the body that's spoken of in verse 14 when it says, the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Our, our differences are a good thing. 
I'm glad we're not all cookie-cutter Christians, and we've been given different gifts, different abilities, different strengths, and, and different weaknesses. Our distinctives are, are divine. God planned it that way so that we can complement and supplement each other. We can complete and supply what is needed. And so we've not been saved to sit, but saved to serve. And so we want to mobilize our volunteers to discover their ministry gifts and, and utilize them in, in serving in the kingdom. Your ministry is where your passion and your gifts intersect. And so we'd like to help you find a way to, to work for the Lord and, and use your talents and your specific strengths and gifts to build that body. But let's go over to verse 18 and see finally the design in the body. It says, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God has arranged the parts. This isn't haphazardly concocted. It's divinely designed. In Colossians 3 Verses 13 to 15 describe that unity. It says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. The name we bear is the name of Christ, and, and we all represent him for good or for bad, by our actions. The name we bear is Christian, and that means that we are to be distinctive, holy, set apart, different from the people of the world. But you also bear the name Batesville Christian Church. And with that connection, there, there comes a solemn responsibility. Our, our actions are either drawing people to Jesus or they're driving people away from Jesus. People know who Jesus is, and they know where you go to church. Do they see him reflected in your lifestyle, or are they receiving conflicting signals? But we have this personal accountability to positively represent Jesus by our behavior. We are called to be his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5. It says there, back in Acts 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It was an exciting time to be a Christian. The, the Jewish holiday of Pentecost was the original decision day. And these people wanted to live out this newfound faith and, and yet as time went on, Human nature and petty problems began to surface in the church since it was and is composed of imperfect people worshiping a perfect Savior. Over time, on-fire Christians began to slow drift in their allegiance to the Lord, and they found other things that distracted them from being faithful in their weekly worship. 
And that's what the, the writer of Hebrews was, was talking about there in the verse I, I quoted earlier, Hebrews 10, verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As we anticipate Christ's return, we need to be together and strengthening each other and making that, that difference in each other. Philip Yancey said, Christianity is not a purely intellectual, internal faith. It can only be lived in community. And he said, perhaps for this reason, I've never entirely given up on church. At a deep level, I sense that church contains something I desperately need. He admits, whenever I abandon church for a time, I find that I am the one who suffers. My faith fades, and the crusty shell of lovelessness grows over me again, and I grow colder rather than hotter. And so my journeys away from church, he said, have always circled back to church. He goes on to add, when I look for a church, I look for one that understands the need to look outwardly. Indeed, I have come to believe that outreach may be the most important factor in a church's success or failure. One final observation, then we'll, we'll pray and have our time of decision. Eugene Peterson put it this way, the church is composed of equal parts, mystery, and mess. And no church is perfect. It's true. But despite that reality, the church, with all its human imperfections, is still the best thing going. And so we don't claim to be a perfect church, but we do claim to have a perfect Savior. And where our church is trying to grow and trying to improve and trying to develop for the glory of God. And if that appeals to you, then this invitation will, will be one that you'll want to consider. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to pray together, and then we're going to enter into a, a time of, of response. If you're ready to respond today, just bring your blue paper down and, and, and share that with me.